Trinity Church, how you doing? Good to see you today. We are in week four of a family series called Road Trip. Where is your family headed? And we said each week we would show you a clip from either a movie or a commercial that kind of connects that dot. My favorite part of that clip is the honey, 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 honey. Maybe just because it's so real. No, I don't know. So... And Joanna's in this service. That was not smart. So anyway, want to welcome you, and we're really glad you're here on this Mother's Day. It's so great as I'm looking around and even seeing kids that maybe have come home, and you're here today, especially to celebrate your mom. So I want to just thank you for being here and joining us on this day. A couple of things, uh, just to kind of keep us uh, moving in the right direction. Um, you know, there's ways that we need to encourage moms even beyond today. Uh, the same moms that have maybe their kids right now in our programs, our TLC, Trinity Learning Center uh, programs on Sunday, those leaders that we have been doing such a great job, very faithful throughout this um, school year, kind of started back in August, and they're going to kind of get a break here in May. We think that's a good thing. You've been that long with second graders, you need a pause, right? So look inside your program and you'll see this. This is a, an opportunity for you to be that gap and to fill that space for the summer to work with those second graders, give our kind of a nine-month, a long year, a 10-month staff kind of a breather over the summer. Many of them are going to re-up in the fall, but they need a break. And so if that's something you can do, this is going to be a huge encouragement to the kids of Trinity Church, but especially to their moms who get to keep dropping them off and coming in here for moments of sanity. So I want to encourage you uh, to think about that and get involved in being involved that way this summer with our kids. I've told you that during this series, we are going to uh, give you some what we call trip essentials on a weekly basis. One is a reminder of an event coming up called Family Forum. It's a parenting conference on Sunday, June the 4th. It's going to be in the afternoon. Great seminar options. There'll be four to choose from, two that you'll get to attend. And just want to encourage you, uh, sign up online for that. Join us on that afternoon. You will not be... Um, uh, bum that you came. It's going to be a really good thing. Great handles on issues that you face as parents. I want to remind you too, if you're not in it right now, you're not raising kids at home, but you know people that are, this is a very inexpensive thing. It's $10 a person. Um, pay for someone to come. Say, hey, I've got that covered for you. I want you to come on Sunday afternoon. Could be a great entry point for someone in your world who might not come to church for a lot of reasons, but if it came to give them better parenting tools, they would come. And so use that as an entry point opportunity for the people in your world. Another thing I said I would do weekly is give you what I just call a book recommendation. And we've been going through giving you some ideas. This book this week I want to recommend is a book called Trophy Child. And uh, I don't recommend this book because it's the only book on parenting. That's not been the point. There's almost so many resources. I think parents don't even know where to start. And what I like about this book is written by a pastor and author named Ted Cunningham. And the, the subtitle really connects the dot. It says, Saving Parents from Performance and Preparing Children for Something Greater Than Themselves. I've read this book, and it's a great read in terms of trying to process through as you're parenting and as you are raising a new generation of Jesus followers, how to help them prioritize. How do I get lost in the mix of where everything matters the most, which is kind of what we're talking about today as well. I would say, by the way, this is a great book to get for yourself. Probably not the best book to buy for someone else. Like, you've got a problem, read this, okay? It's probably not going to go well, 
But it's a great read if you're thinking, hey, I don't know if we're doing this right related to how we're thinking of our kids. And then if you open your notes, they're inside your program, your message notes today. Open them to the middle on the left-hand side down at the bottom. There's that table talk question. What we're just trying to do is every week give you some way to just start a conversation about what we've talked about today. And that's that for this week. At some point, maybe get, grab a meal together this week. Just bring it up. How do we begin to strategize this? So it's one thing that we will do that's going to help us better prioritize our lives. And that's kind of where we're going today. So simple question as we start out today, how important is it to prioritize things in your life? Just generally speaking, how important is it to prioritize things in your life? This is how it went with me. When I would interact with people as a family pastor, I would do a lot of counseling. A lot of counseling with individuals, a lot of counseling with couples, a lot of counseling with families. And as they'd come in and we'd talk, I would tell them what my goal is to begin with today. I want to do triage, just like the medical term. I want to try to assess what are the most important things we need to look at first. So think even through the medical lens. If someone is brought into an emergency room situation and that doctor is there trying to triage what to approach first, and let's say they make note that these are four ailments that this patient has. They have a headache. They have a gunshot wound to the chest. They have a broken leg, and they have a hangnail on their big toe. Now, you bring them in, you get them in the room, and you're uh, assessing what's going on. And and let's say you might go, you know what? Oh, I hate hangnails. You know, I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to take away this discomfort. And you're going to do an amazing job while they bleed out. Okay? So to get a hangnail fixed while you have a gunshot wound to the chest is not helpful. You need to prioritize what you do first. That's kind of basic 101 about life, and you get that. You understand that. Now the question is, as a family, as a family, how important is it to prioritize your schedules and your calendars to reflect God's priorities? We're actually going to see today from Scripture, God would say, there's things that you ought to make more important than other things. They should be your priorities. Rather than simply running the crazy pace our culture screams as normal. Today I want to be real careful that you hear, I kind of got partway through last service and realized I think I'm coming off very judgy. I sure don't want to do that today. Today's not a message of condemnation. Today's a message of encouragement and hope that you can make a change. Because here's what's happened somewhere along the line. It's happened in my lifetime for sure. I don't know if it was much before me, but somewhere in these last 46 years in Southern California culture, we have drunk the Kool-Aid. We believe that to stay busy at a frantic pace is good. Not sustainable for seasons, but good to live by way of life. And and there's a lot of people in this room who, if you're just going to be honest with yourself, you know you bought in. You're like the lady that I'll never forget meeting at a conference. I was with a pastor from HCC, and we go to this conference. We were with a bigger group, but we got kind of split up, and we end up at this table with people we don't know, which is this fine. That's no problem. It's Jeff and I and six ladies around the table, which is also fine. That's great. And, and as the conference is beginning, the conference got a little bit different in that it started saying, hey, around your table, share this stuff. And it was kind of more just kind of gut level, a little bit more intimate kind of things. And I'm like, well, this is really interesting. So the, the table, the discussion started across from us. It was working their way around. About the fourth or fifth person that shared was a lady sitting next to me. And as she began to share, she began to sob. As she began to weep, 
about how crazy busy her life was. The fact that she had taken her daughter to rowing practice, that's this, right? Only in Orange County, okay? (laughs) Taking her to rowing practice that morning, she was going to get her to a tutor to study for AP tests in the afternoon, followed by mixed martial arts. And that was just a Tuesday. And as we're here sitting around the table, she is weeping over how busy and out of control her schedule is. Now I got to tell you, I, uh, uh, what's the word? Often, that's what I was looking for. I often have a gift of mercy. And I often can be compassionate. But I just got to tell you what caught me in, in just real life, HD effect, was sitting next to her and realizing, ma'am, everything that you're upset about losing it over right now could be changed. You don't have to stay on the hamster wheel. You get to get off if you want to. Now, had her concerns been about the crazy, frenetic life of the fact of her daughter's chemotherapy appointments, whole different ballgame, right? That's what you do. But this, all the practices, all the rehearsals... you don't, you don't have to do. And that's what I want to show you today. I want to just kind of crack that egg open a little bit with you today. The fact that maybe some of us didn't know that was the case. Maybe some of us didn't know we could get off the hamster wheel and take it at a more sustainable pace. I want to tell you this from the very beginning. It was very fascinating to me after the first service. The only people who came up to me and told me, Todd, that was great, are people who were at the grandparent stage. So you know what I'm talking about. This is really great material when you're not in it. Now, grandparents, don't get me wrong. I know you're busy, but you know what I'm saying. When you're raising kids and you're in it, you don't want to hear what I'm going to say today. But I want to tell you the reason I'm saying it is because I love you. And the reason I'm saying it is to encourage you. You don't have to do this. You have choices to make. Families don't need more things to do. They're way too busy as it is. But is your family engaged in doing the best things rather than merely good things? And by the way, there was nothing sinful about rowing lessons, AP tests, and mixed martial arts. Those aren't sinful things. But it's the question of what is best over what is good. And if you're going to keep filling your life with good, you'll never have room for the best. Begin today by developing margin. We'll talk about that. And then prioritize the things that God says matters most. Look at this statement. It's on your notes or on the screen. This is what's our due north today. There is no prize for being the busiest family. We seem to wear it like a badge, but there's no prize for that. The prize is for those who live according to God's priorities. Number one in your notes today, God has communicated priorities for your family. God has communicated priorities for your family. Now, I want to begin today by saying this. We're kind of making an attempt every week to say, for those of us who aren't raising kids at home, this still matters to you. Here's how it matters. Number one, if you are raising kids at home, you already know this matters to you. This is where you live. For others of us who would say, hey, you know, I have kids on the way. Or my kids are very, very young. It was just so great seeing our child dedication today. And I think of Nolan today. And what a great example for Judson and Katie as they think about raising Nolan. They have a relatively fresh slate. At six months old, they get to start laying down a foundation. If you're in that life stage, can I tell you, probably more important than anyone in the room today is the fact that you're here. 
Because it is going to be those who've walked the road even five or ten years farther down from you who are going to look at you with this hollow look in their eyes as though they can't change the crazy. You get to start from the beginning to lay a foundation. I'm really glad that you're here today if that's your stage. Maybe you're here today and you have kids out of the home. You're an empty nester. You have the opportunity with those grown adult children to both model this kind of lifestyle based on God's priorities as well as to encourage them in theirs. For kids who are being raised at home right now, I love always kind of being able to see this section and see students and you're spread out around the room as well. But if you're at home being raised right now, this is the kind of thing, as your parents are hearing this today, this might be the kind of thing to go, you know what? I should be listening too because I, part of our crazy schedule is what I'm perpetuating. I found some reason that my identity is locked into how busy I can be. And you being willing to get off the hamster wheel is just as important as they would be. If you're a grandparent, we said this last week, you have this great window of encouragement into your grandkids' lives, so different from when you were raising your own kids. And here's what I want to encourage you with today related to this topic. Maybe one of the very best things you can do is that when grandkids are over at your home, when grandkids are under your care, chill out. Let them breathe. Be a safe place where they can come and relax. That might be one of the very best things you can offer the over-busy grandchild that you're connected to. Or maybe you're here today and you don't have any kids of your own and you're not in your first circle or your second circle connected to kids. Well, two thoughts. One, you always are connected to young adults at some level. They might be the third ring out of your relational world. But you are. And to those young adults, encourage them. Come up alongside of them. Put an arm around them and say, you know what? I love and appreciate you. Your value's not tied up into how busy you are. Encourage them with words like that. And, and even for yourself today, this message matters to your own pace and your own cycle of busy. I want to define terms today. I find it very, very helpful when we use a term that we're all understanding what we mean by it. In your notes, defining the term priority. Today's message is called prioritizing priorities. The word priority, something meriting attention before competing alternatives. Something meriting attention before competing alternatives. If that sounds like something from Webster, it's because it is. Okay? Real simple. I just wanted a basic definition. What does the word priorities mean? And what that looks like when you look at the definition, something that matters more in a host of other things that want to matter. It's kind of what it means. Some things have to matter more in a host of other things that also want to matter. Look at the word prioritize. I love this definition. Strategically valuing something strategically valuing something. So when you kind of smush those two together, here's what our, our, our message title means today. Strategically valuing something that merits attention before competing alternatives. Intentionally deciding what matters most. That's kind of what we're after today. And I want you to see something. You have a Bible today. Would you open it to Philippians 3? Just open that and have it there. I'm sorry I didn't have you do that earlier. Philippians 3 is in the New Testament. And it's that way I remembered it as a kid. Go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It's in the mix. If you can't find any of those four books, I am so sorry. But once you find one of those four, you'll figure it out. Um, have your finger there, but here's what I want to do. As you're finding your way there, I want you to see a verse that maybe, and hopefully is familiar to you, but I don't think it's, it's, you've thought it through the lens I want to show you today. 
Look at this from Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Now, why is this verse important to us today? Well, it is for a few reasons. First off, it's written from a parent to a child. Solomon writing to his son, my son, my son, my son. So it has this family-esque idea to it, just who it's coming from. What's also important is that the significance of what it says. Everything you are, everything you do flows from what you love. Flows from your affections. That's what the idea of that verse is. So be careful what you have affection for. It's great. But the, the part that I think we read right over the top, The part that I think often we kind of fail to see is this. Did you see what he said? Above all else. Strategically value this. Pay attention and make this something of great utmost worth. Here's the problem. For whatever reason, we are very um, concerned or, or, or slow to want to prioritize things. I don't know why that is. Notice I never said I want you to prioritize people. Well, love my kids. I really like that one. I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm, but I am saying prioritize schedules, prioritize calendars, prioritize events, prioritize your time. It's important, and we'll see the biblical foundation today, not everything matters the same. That's the problem we can get into. We don't know what matters most, so it all kind of fits, but it doesn't. That's exactly the problem. It doesn't all fit, and therefore we we run amiss. So Solomon is helping his son to strategically value, to prioritize, to above all else it. That's what he's trying to get to. There's something that really matters. Let me remind you of a couple passages we've looked at in the last couple of weeks because they matter to our time today, but it's even what we call them is significant. Your finger's still in Philippians 3. Look at Matthew 22. We've looked at this passage like two weeks in a row because it's so important. Jesus is, they're trying to back him into a corner. What matters most? What law is the most important? This is what he said. Look at the screen. He said, love God with everything you have and love people like yourself. This matters most. This is the greatest commandment. So here's the interesting thing. What do we call this? We call it the great commandment. We don't call it the good commandment. We don't call it the better commandment. We call it the great commandment. This one matters most. What was it later? Matthew 28. Jesus is interacting with his disciples just before he's to ascend to the Father. His very last words. Go as you're going into the world. Look at the screen. Make disciples of all the nations. Do this, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Do this thing. Last parting words, what do we call it? We don't call it the good commission. We don't call it the better commission. We call it the great commission. And here's what we're doing at Trinity Church. We are taking pains to begin to orient, and not that we haven't done this before, but to bring it to the surface, to bring it into the light. We want to be about the great commandment, the great commission. We want to prioritize what Jesus prioritized. And when you do that, I found you don't go wrong. Jesus knew what he was talking about. He knew what mattered most. And that's why he said it with that kind of authority. We've been using language you're just kind of warming up to. We'll be able to share it in real full color in September. But these terms, rooted and reaching. 
rooted in Jesus, reaching our worlds. This is becoming more of the stuff of what we're talking about. And all that means is that we're locking ourselves in. We're putting our foundation down on the great commandment and the great commission. That's the kind of church, not only that God blesses, but that's the kind of church I guarantee you, you want to be a part of. And I'm excited to see where our our minds are going in that direction. But how great is it that in this family series, not only are we as a church trying to prioritize these things that Jesus said mattered most, but we're talking about that in your family. It begins in your family and it bleeds over into this community of Jesus followers. A passage you might remember, you're still in Philippians 3, right? Yeah, good, stay there, but I'm not there yet. Ephesians 5. This is a passage we looked at in our Ephesians series. I want to remind you of what God prioritizes. Listen to the words. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Look at this last verse. And find out what pleases the Lord. Identify what matters to him, what pleases your father. Verse 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Look at this. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Understand what God says matters and live according to it. And your finger is in Philippians 3. This is also from the pen of Paul. Paul writes to this local church, beginning in verse 13, but one thing I do. Not 27, one thing. One thing I do. Forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. One thing, one focus, one idea. And isn't it interesting that that one aim relates to What will matter forever? Not just in a certain season, not just in a certain lifestyle stage, but forever, heaven itself will matter most. And Paul says, I fixed my eyes on this goal. That's where I'm looking. Here's my simple point today. When you are so exhausted on the hamster wheel, you can't begin to focus and aim at heaven because you can barely breathe. What we're trying to talk about today, if God has said these are priorities, these things matter most about the way you live, then now how do we get in the nitty gritty? How do we get in the daily lives of families to help us go, God, we want to orient our families based on your priorities. That's what we lead to in number two in your notes. Number two, you need to continuously evaluate your family's priorities. You need to continuously evaluate your family's priorities. I think all of this sounds really good in theory. Let's make it a little bit real now and make it make sense. I brought my bag today, and this bag represents what a lot of us think life is, a 24-hour day. Like, we can get this much in the bag. You'll notice my bag is zipped. It looks like something you could throw on a bus or a plane and take off, and it's very heavy. You'll see that in a second. But within it, we think this is what a 24-hour day, and it looks like it could go. Here's the problem. Even though that's our idea of what our day ought to look like and how much time we actually have, the reality is, though, your 24-hour bag is a lot more like this. This is how big it is. This is 24 hours. So your ideal 
is I can jam that much inside, zip it up and be good. But this is the reality. So let's look a little bit about the kinds of things that we end up putting in the bag. We would say this. We would say, well, when it comes to my kids, it's, um, it's actually important that they eat. Isn't that weird? So breakfast of champions. We've got Cheerios here. We're going to put those in the bag. We're going to say, well, that really matters. Um, everybody, including the law enforcement, thinks I should feed my kids. So that's a good thing. So we're going to start with that. Then you go, oh, okay, well, it's really important, though, that my kids go to school and get a good education. I would totally agree with that. That is a really good thing. So we're going to put that in the, the bag as well, making sure that school is a priority. Well, then, then your child actually is involved in sports or theater. And so you have to have the things that go with that. It always requires, obviously, extra gear and, and extra costs. But as we do that, and we kind of put our stuff together, and we gotta <laughs> got to kind of have that all present... And, and you look at this and you go, well, well Todd, that's not going to fit. No, but you think it will. That's the problem. You think this is going to work. Oh, 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 and then my kid's got to get some rest. I got to sleep. Isn't that weird that you didn't even remember that? Okay. And then as you're looking at things, you go, oh, but wait, there's church. Youth group stuff too. Ta-da! And this is your overstuffed life. This is what it looks like. Visually represented. You are trying to jam too much in a limited space. I know you wish you had 28 hours. Not part of God's design. You get 24 So if you're going to live in the real world of 24, now you have to make choices. It doesn't all fit. And the problem is, this is what your life has looked like up till now. You're walking around carrying this, bulging at every point. In moments when you're lucid, you are so frustrated that your life is so overfull. And the problem is, you don't think there's a way out. You don't think you get to make choices to make changes. But I would tell you, no, that's not true. You do get to make choices, and that's what today is all about. Today's all about the hope of the fact that you can actually reorient what you prioritize. Look at this verse. I love it. I've never thought of it in terms of family life till this week. Matthew chapter 6, a well-known verse, verse 33. But seek first. Another way of saying that, strategically value. Prioritize first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Do you know the context of Matthew 6 is actually what's come, like for like 10 verses above this, is Jesus saying people who don't love Yahweh are out running around trying to fill their lives with the basics. They make a priority of both time, energy, and money to gather things that they think are so important, food and clothing. Now, here's the thing. Listen to the rest of this verse. They're running around, chasing after these things. Jesus does this game stopper, game changer verse, and he says, but seek first. Prioritize, strategically value the kingdom of God, and look at the end. And all these things will be given to you as well. 
Jesus is not against feeding your family. Jesus is not against wearing clothes. These aren't bad things, but all he's saying is when you prioritize the consumeristic approach to life and then figure out where's the kingdom of God going to fit, you've inverted. You've inverted your priorities instead to say, God, help me seek you. Help me prioritize you. Help me strategically value you. And then you get to put the rest of the things back into my bag. You get to call the shots. You get to tell us what matters. So let's get into the sticky of it a little bit about these values. Here's some basics. Number one, children, the children that you're raising in your home to be young adults, they are human beings. So being by nature human beings, they have some basic needs. Number one, we said a minute ago with our pillow, they need to sleep. It's not a weird thing to hear at church. Your kids need to sleep. but they do. It's part of the deal. And a family that's running at too high octane of a pace, they're not getting the kind of rest they need. And they kind of walk around. You almost have to kind of prop their eyes open with toothpicks all day. And I'm, by the way, please don't get me wrong. We, our family, we live our lives in seasons. I get seasons. But for most of you, your season never stops. So don't overthink that today. Don't come up with all these great you know, reasons why this is okay. Day after day, week after week, if you're not getting enough rest, your kids aren't getting enough rest, there's a problem. Your kids also need to eat, a.k.a. Cheerios. That's a good thing. How you eat, what you eat, where you eat can all actually all be very strategic. Your kids need a home. They need a place to live, and you do as well. You know, it's a good thing that one of you in your family, someone is gainfully employed. That someone is making money to be able to keep a house, keep a roof over your head. That's a very important thing. Sometimes at church, we talk very interestingly about, well, actually, we don't talk at all about work. There is a value to working in the right understanding, in the right priority to how it provides for a family. Here's the problem, though, often with that. There's this very fine line between I'm prioritizing work as a way to provide for my family, and then it crosses over to I am finding my identity in my career. You need to ask that question. If you're not home enough, if you're not engaged enough when you are home because you can barely keep your eyes open, you have to ask the question. Is it about providing for my family or is it about finding identity in a workplace? Because here's the problem, and I've talked to way too many people who've lived this way for decades, that as they were climbing the rungs of success at the job, at their career, and as they were, their family was farther and farther away from them because they were still on the ground level. They would climb rung after rung only to get to the top of the building and realize their ladder was propped up against the wrong building. I don't want that for you. Life is too short. You only get one pass. Some of you need to ask that question more than any other question today. Have I made my job somehow the importance of my life? Your kids have a job, by the way. Their job is to be being grown up, to be being prepared. So school, we've had this conversation in my family with all of our kids. You have a job. You have a responsibility. It's to be prepared or be preparing for what God has you for your future. That looks very different at five than it does at 15. But the point is, we're always en route. We're on that march towards them leaving well. 
So they have to understand school's not just something to endure. Education is something to engage and something to be prepared for. We said a couple of weeks ago that God has designed the family where you as a parent are your child's primary spiritual trainer. That's another aspect of this kind of family priority. And here's the thing we want to remind you of. At Trinity Church, we want to be your allies. We want to come alongside you. We don't want to take your place. But we simply want to be between our kids' ministries and our student ministries. We want to say we can be a source of another voice in your child's life so that they would hear Jesus, the same Jesus you're talking about at home. We want to come alongside and be helpful to you. Now when you look at the rest of the day, if those are kind of what we call the big rocks, those are the things you start with, what's the rest of the day hold? Well, you get to make choices. The choice that your family's going to spend investing on the sports field or in the gym, that's your choice. The time that your family's going to invest in front of the TV or social media, that's your choice. The time that your family's investing in your favorite hobbies, that's your choice. The time that your family's investing in the upkeep of your yard, that's your choice. Once you put in the big rocks, what's left is your choice of what to also add to the bag. It's your choice about the time your family's investing and following Jesus closer more this year than you were last. It's your choice of the time that your family's investing and serving others in the world who have needs. And it's your choice about the time that your family's investing in your relationships with people that don't yet follow Jesus but are in your relational world. That's your choice. You get to choose how to use those hours. And here's what I want you to recognize more than anything today. We've said it before. I want to say it again today. You have choices to make. You are not bound by any particular activity that your kids are doing. You are not bound by any particular hobby that your family's engaged in. You get to choose. I want you to hear clearly today, I'm not, ta- I'm not preaching against the evils of club soccer. I don't care. That's not the point. But the point is to ask yourself this question. I don't want you to be like that mom sobbing at the table next to me because she was so frantic in her world because of overcommitment. Ask yourself that question. Is that what I'm doing? And how do I change priorities in my family if I've evaluated that they don't line up with God's? I'm glad you asked. That brings us to number three. You can adjust your family's priorities if they don't line up with God's. You can adjust your family's priorities if they don't line up with God's. I told you earlier today, I want to reiterate this. The last thing I would want you to feel today is judged or condemned. I told you I'm in this with you. Joanna and I are in this. We're parenting right now. We have an adult son, turns 20 next week. We have a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 9-year-old living in our home. We're in it. And we are asking ourselves these questions consistently as well just like I'm encouraging you to do today. One of the things that's challenging about raising kids is not only am I wanting to raise them to know and love and follow Jesus, but there's a unique bent. There's something about them that God has uniquely gifted them to do that you're trying to discover. I love this story. I don't even know if it's true, but it just sounds cool. And it was uh, Michelangelo who was sculpting the David sculpture, right? And he's looking at this huge thing of marble And he's looking at it, and I remember the the phrase that I've come across is this. He looks at this huge block of marble, and he says, come out. And I love that picture because I think of my kids. I remember when my kids were so little, they only had a cry. They didn't have a voice. And I always wondered, what are you going to sound like? 
What's it going to be? The words that come out of this mouth. What, what's your voice like? And then they started talking and I didn't want to know anymore. But we're in it. We're trying to figure out, God, how have you built our kids? What are you designing and shaping them for? That's why, like you, we've done ballet. We've done piano lessons. We've done baseball and soccer and basketball, all with the prevailing idea of helping our kids to know how God has built them, what they should be aligning their lives to do, and what they're learning about themselves. Those are all good things. But that's why we only did one session of ballet. I won't tell you the story today, but Aaliyah just simply wouldn't come out for the recital. And we said, good, we're done. That's why we only did a few months of piano lessons. Wasn't a great fit for our kids. By the way, I'm not against piano lessons. Praise God, Bill's parents made him do it. Thank you. So that's not the point. That's why we only did one season of baseball. Can I tell you, have you ever been in the high desert in February and March at night? The worst. The worst. If anyone's like, oh, you'll love baseball. Are you kidding me? Our kid was wearing five layers of clothing. No joke. The first time we went out to the game, his, che- his teeth were chattering the whole time. I said, do you like this? He's like, No. But it's also why we did multiple seasons of basketball, because that sport is played inside. (laughs) Let me give you one analogy or one illustration, and we'll finish. Here's what it came down to. So Jackson played basketball. He's here with us today. We're excited on Mom's Day. He can hang out with us. And so Jackson played basketball from kind of elementary through middle school and into high school. Second year, he's playing two years in high school. He's on the JV team. And, and Jackson's a good basketball player. He's not a great basketball player. He'd be the first to tell you that. So within that, he had choices to make. And I remember us sitting down after, at, towards the end of his second year, his sophomore year, and just said, hey, pretty good chance if you did even make the varsity team, you're not going to play, like at all. And then the question comes up, is that worth it? A lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of practice, to sit the bench. Is that, is that a worthwhile thing? And we had a lot of good conversations about it. Jackson came, to, we wanted it to be his call. Jackson came to the conclusion, I don't think I'm going to do that. So in the fall, Jackson had some friends and they were cross-country runners. And if you've seen Jackson, he's lean and slender. He's, he's literally built to run. And so Jackson ran cross-country his junior year at Serrano High School with a really great cross-country program. He ran track in the, in the, in the spring. Cross-country fall, track spring. At the end of the spring and in the summer, we're getting ready for a senior year. We're on vacation. I said, Jackson, you're starting you know, to get kind of ready. You need to start conditioning. So he tells me, Dad, I hate running. I hate everything about it. <laughs> now, I, I did not have this dream of my kid being some college or Olympic athlete. I was fine with that. But I was like, oh, but man, you made a commitment to a coach. And I, so we had good conversations, but we landed on the fact Going into his senior year, no sports. Now, Jackson's senior year started with a mission trip to Sri Lanka, two weeks right out of the beginning of the year. He comes back from that trip, and no joke, about two weeks after he got home, Hudson Church's junior high pastor left, 
And all of a sudden, that student ministries team is trying to figure out what are we going to do to fill some of these gaps. And they approach Jackson and say, Jackson, never before in, in, in however many years of, of church history, never before they hired a high school kid to work at that staff level. They say, Jackson, would you join our team at 20 hours a week and work with middle school kids? There's no way he could have done that in the middle of cross country or track season. And I look back at that, it's a great reminder to me that in the time when we're trying to create space, sometimes we even need to go and be more thoughtful than what we can see right in front of us. It wasn't going to be a bad idea if my kid wasn't playing a sport his senior year. And God created this great opportunity for him. My daughters, Aaliyah and Kendi, are strong leaders. They're both going to be on ASB next year at school. And I love the fact that they have ASB leaders who are going to train and teach them leadership gifts. Ellie is nine. We have no idea what in the world. (laughs) But she gets involved in things like this morning with dance and music. And she loves that. And we'll see what God's framing her to be. You see, in all this, what we're trying to do as parents, we're asking the question, you love your kids. I know it. I don't doubt that for a minute. All I'm saying is, if you can understand, you don't have to keep the pace where you're living in crazy. You can get off the the hamster wheel. And it begins with a prayer like this. Look in your notes. God, you have designed this child to become, who have you decided, I'm sorry, who have you designed this child to become, and how can I point them in the right direction toward your specific role for their life. That is the prayer we as parents are praying, and we do it not by driving them nuts with a heavy schedule. We say and say, God, show us. We want to walk into that. And what's so great, this verse that to me just really buttons us up well today, Proverbs 22, 6, it's well known. Start your children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Now what idea today? There's no prize for being the busiest family. The prize is for those who live by God's priorities. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you today with um, truth from your word that kind of strikes us at a 90 degree angle. Strikes us, maybe 180 degrees is better said, straight on. Because for so many of us, God, we are truly living at a pace that is not sustainable. A pace that is way too busy, but even more importantly, a pace that is not in line with your priorities. God, we're doing a lot of good things, but I don't think we've asked the question if we're doing the best things. And so help us with that. Help us get honest. Help us look in the mirror and ask God, what do you want? You may be here today and you would say, you know, I have never actually put, made any kind of decision or response to Jesus. And you talked earlier about loving God with all your heart. I I can't even begin to honestly say that. Well, good news is that you can actually make that decision. It begins with the ABCs. A is to admit. Admit that you're a sinner who needs a Savior. B is to believe. To believe that Jesus is the only Savior available. And C is to choose. To choose to say, Jesus, you have walked a path in front of me. I choose to put my feet behind you and follow in your steps. You can pray that prayer today. The Bible says that you will be a new creation. Father, this week, give us grace as we live these lives, trying to prioritize ourselves, our schedules, our calendars to your priorities. Give us grace and mercy to do that. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.